Wars All In is a community of fans for all things Star Wars. We want to share our fandom with you, and we'd love for you to share yours with us. Find us on Twitter and Instagram by searching Star Wars All In. Also, search on Facebook to join in the conversation with our private group. We would love to hear from you. Galaxy, it's time for Star Wars All In, the show that goes all in on all the details of the galaxy far, far away. My name is Mac, I'm one of your hosts tonight, and I'm joined by a fellow holocron keeper, Ross. Mac, I think I say this every week, but I'm excited. <laughs> I, I think I but do. that's good. When I you gotta say, change like, it up. This week, I'm, I'm not really into it. Yeah, that's we'll this we week we're talking about, like, Jackson and all the all the other, the weirdest things in Star Wars, the Borgallet. Yeah. When are we going to do our Jackson Borgallet so special? So tonight on Star Wars, uh, we'll be talking about uh, Borgallet. We'll be also talking about uh, Kidster. And, hey, don't you dare say anything bad about Kidster. All right. We're not going to talk about Kidster. We're, we're not, not going to talk about the Borgallet. We're going to talk about <laughs> we're gonna more have popular things. A special episode, Mac. What are we calling this episode? <laughs> Well, you said that this is like our Sith episode, our Sith Spectacular. Yeah. And I said, you mean our Sith-tacular. And yeah, so this is our first ever Sith-tacular. We are going to have... Probably not our last. Uh, definitely not our last. We are going to have three, I think, pretty long topics tonight. We'll see. They're pretty meaty. So, Mac, tell us about all the things we're going to cover in episode nine. Awesome. So our itinerary for tonight is we are going to be traveling into the wonderful world of canon. We're going to talk about the big apprentice of the episode two movie, Count Dooku. And we're going to talk about his history and how he became the rule of two, the replacement for Maul. Darth Tyrannus himself. Darth Tyrannus. Then we're going to talk about another Darth. We're going to talk about Darth Bane and his rule of two. Ooh, okay. So we'll okay. talk about Dooku for about 45 minutes. We'll talk yeah. about Bane for at least about a half an hour. And then yeah. we'll wrap up by one of the old Lords of the Sith who doesn't even have a Darth title, Exar Kun. Ooh, that sounds creepy. I like it. Yeah, he's he's from... He's an olden from 4,000 years before all this stuff gets started. Yeah. So if you really want to dive into some Legends nonsense... We're here for This you. is the episode, baby. All right. Well, I just want to jump right in because we've got a long one and we have a lot to talk about. The dark side calls. Let's get right into it. Master Yoda. Count Dooku. You have interfered with our affairs for the last time. Powerful you have become, Dooku. The dark side I sense in you. I've become more powerful than any Jedi. Even you. 
still have. It is obvious. Welcome back, Star Wars friends, to Star Wars All In. We have a really fun segment lined up here. We are talking about the Count of Sereno, Darth Tyrannus himself, Dooku. Count Dooku. How cool is it to be a Count? And a Jedi and a Darth. Like, he's just collecting He titles. really does have everything. Isn't he also, technically, he's the Supreme Commander of the Imper- the uh, Confederation Forces. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And, and the, isn't he also, like, the head of parliament? Is he the head of state? I think he's the head of well, state, technically. You mean on his own planet? Or no, for, the for the Confederation? Uh, I, I mean, he's in charge. I don't know what his title is, well, right? Well, the whole thing where you find the parliament, you know, the fact that, like, the Confederacy isn't just a bunch of like, Silicon Valley companies coming together to overthrow the government. They're actually have a legal system it's like yeah like an actual system with an actual plan it's not just a bunch of ragtag rebels doing guerrilla warfare huh there's a parallel you're drawing there interesting okay but let's talk well, about the count himself let's let's, let's learn you know a little what? bit we about promised him. ourselves that in our segments we were going to do broader overviews but like yeah. jokes are just so low-hanging fruit yeah you know random it, thoughts and the reason we're we're talking about the count right now mm-hmm. is he has a, a new novel out uh, yeah. as of yesterday if you're listening to this on launch day uh count dooku jedi lost well it's actually just called dooku jedi lost they don't put count in the title because dooku is his first name we just don't think of it that way mm. uh but you know it came out as an audio drama a while ago which is pretty uh, cool it is. It was really cool. First, uh, first time you know Del Rey has tried that to make an audio drama like that I think without that's... having a companion novel or anything. I'm trying to think. The last time I think, well, I was gr- I grew up on those. Sure, the actual retelling wow. of the films through radio drama, right? Yeah, that's what you're talking about. Well, yeah. not only that, but like they did a bunch of like uh, comic book stories as full cast audio dramas. Oh, okay. I like what? I'm not familiar with those. Well, um, my love of the Knights of the Republic era comes from Tales of the Jedi and Dark Lords of the Sith, which were both Del Rey full cast audio dramas. I'm not familiar with those. They also did uh, Dark Empire, Dark Empire 2. I'm trying to think what else they did. I think they did Tales of the Masai Cantina. Um, Oh, and Dark Forces. They did the entire Dark Forces comic book. Oh yeah, novel comic novel thing. Oh, huh, okay. As a full cast drama. So, all of those, I have never heard of before. <laughs> well, those. So that's all the pedigree that leads up to why it was yeah. to me such an interesting thing. They went back to that well, format, especially. I mean, it's the first time we're seeing it in canon now. Yeah, you know, in the current canon, uh, it's such an interesting character to focus on and we'll talk about this more in a minute well, but the book in the story is not just about dooku no. there is a lot more in there as well i know you haven't a chance to fully check it out yet mm-hmm. but uh basically if you haven't checked out dooku jedi lost you can get it in audio format and now you can get it as the script form in a published hardback version. Now, mm-hmm. it is still written as a script, so it has the narration. It has all of the things for setting the scenes. It has uh, a complete you know, carry-through of the characters. Uh, it's actually even formatted a little bit differently, the physical version, mm-hmm. to make it a little bit more readable as a script. But it's not turned into a novel. 
Right. It is still the script of the audio drama. And I think that's kind of a neat thing we've been seeing. The Harry Potter movie like franchise just went through that because the cursed child and then the two movies have come out as screenplay versions, yeah. which I understand for some people. I know there's some people there that just, they can't, re- they don't like that. They read like reading prose as prose. Um, yeah. And I appreciate that. But for me, like as a kid who grew up on, you know, stage crew and film crew, mm-hmm. <laughs> in some ways I can eat a script alive a lot faster than I can read a book. Yeah. A, a script is written very differently. Mm-hmm. I mean, at the end of the day, it's, it, you're really experiencing a story in a very different way. In some ways, your mind can have a lot more creative control over what you're creating there, you know, when you what you're envisioning in your head. But at the same time, when you have a novel, you're just the author is feeding you so many more <laughs> details. I mean, they're it's really, true. you know, they're really, uh, I mean, that's the benefit of a book over almost anything else is you can describe something in such great detail. Correct. But and the that, benefit of an audio drama is you have sound effects, you have yay. music, you have uh, acting, all these beautiful things that f- make it feel more like a Star Wars film. Right. So if you've never experienced an audio drama, I definitely recommend checking it out. Oh, absolutely. And and I, and I would say if you start with anything, we'll start with this because we're talking about it and we're already telling <laughs> you it's good. But if not, the uh, BBC editions, which are uh, of the original movies, which were just audio dramas, because the BBC makes audio dramas to this day every yeah. every year. Um, they did. They're just expanded versions of the movies with a lot of the voice cast from the movies like. Anthony Daniels and Mark Hamill and um, Billy D. Williams and yeah. stuff lent their voices to it. And it's very, very cool. But the cool thing about this book is this is giving us the canon answers. We yeah. had answers before, but these are the canon answers. Yeah. And so the reason we're leading into this topic, talking about Dooku Jedi Lost, is we're about to spoil the crap out of it. <laughs> so... If you now don't be wrong, I'm not going to be spending tons of time giving you every single detail, but we are going to hit a lot of the big plot points, not necessarily how we get there, not necessarily completely setting all the scenes, but we are going to talk about the largest moments for Dooku as a character in the audio drama slash script. So if you want to check it out, I would highly recommend pausing here, giving it a listen. And then coming back, if you want to hear if maybe the Dooku audio drama is for you. Give it a listen, you know, if you're not super adverse to spoilers, because trust me, listening to it is still an experience, even knowing what's going to happen. And it's something I'm going to revisit now that we have this printed edition as well. And I would also just say the fact that, like, um, we're going to always do spoilers in all of our deep dives. That's why they're deep dives. Um, But I would say that if you are familiar with kind of the beats of Dooku's story, this is touching on a lot of the stuff that used to be in legends tangentially like it's the same beat it's the same narrative thread in my opinion of like you know he's the lost one of the lost 21 and all that kind of Mm -hmm, good stuff mm -hmm. so yeah and so let's get into it mac you ready let's go awesome so i'm gonna give you a little overview since i was the one who actually listened to the audio drama recent yeah 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 exactly so let's go into it so what I'm about to tell you here is all stuff that we have for Dooku in canon currently. Okay. okay? So, Count Dooku, or Dooku as his first name is, uh, he doesn't really have a, a last name. You know, Dooku of Sereno is say, basically Sereno. what it is. Yeah. So, he was born on Sereno, so a planet, to Count Gora and Countess Anya. 
And basically, Gora believed that Force-sensitive people were freaks and didn't want his son around. So he basically called the Jedi, the Seekers, to come find him. And he left him outside of the castle, basically saying, well, either the Jedi will come get you or you'll be eaten by a wolf. And that's basically how he got rid of his son. I'm trying to understand. And Dooku became a Darksider from... Uh, you know, what? I mean, he was a baby here. So, yeah, not the best. Start, oh, yeah, that but... makes it le- much less harsh. <laughs> <laughs> OK, so while at the Jedi Temple, you know, he was rescued. Uh, Dooku excelled as a as a youngling and, you know, mm-hmm. eventually as a becoming a Padawan learner. He uh, became friends with another youngling, Sifo-Dyas. Does that sound familiar at all? You heard that name before? Sifo-Dyas. I got a handbill of him somewhere, some <laughs> some major expense. Yeah, so we'll we'll talk about Sifo a little bit more here in a minute. Uh, now, Dooku learned of his lineage, and this is all from Dooku Jedi Lost, by the way. Yeah. When he was on a trip to Serrano, Yoda and a few other Jedi took some younglings. They were having a festival there, basically. And, you know, one of a Jedi's duties is to experience culture and to experience different places and to understand the galaxy as a whole, not just one planet, you know, not just understanding Coruscant. Not every planet is like Coruscant. So uh, when Dooku was on Sereno, he uh, essentially bumped into his sister. Uh, So not only does Dooku have a sister, but... He was not aware. He became, you know, he didn't remember well, his family. Yeah, he, he doesn't was remember. Taken at an age where he will not remember anything before his life as a Jedi. Right, exactly. Now, Yoda has to explain it all to him. So, Yoda basically tells him, Yes, this is your sister. This is the planet where you came from. Uh, you know, this is where your family is. Uh, and, you know, Dooku, it, it starts to mess with him a little bit. In fact, his sister. Uh, gives him a communicator so they can remain in touch. And a lot of the novel is told through messages that are sent to Dooku from his sister. So around the same time... (laughs) Sorry, I just love the idea of Yoda just being like, rich and powerful you are. Forget it, you should. (laughs) Yeah, you know, Yoda does some odd things when you look back, but we'll 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 talk about Yoda. There's something that kind of tells me that, like, perhaps Dooku is a great example of, hey, um... Whatever planet you're from, if they still have a family there, you're a conflict of interest. You're not allowed to go on missions to that planet. And that does seem like what should have happened. But uh, that's not what that's, you know, you know, the dark side clouds everything. And, you know, it's tough to be a Jedi at the waning days of the of the Republic. Uh, I don't know. Well, you know, it's odd you bring it up because Dooku and sifo uh shortly after this, break into a vault in the Jedi Temple to study dark side artifacts that they that's have there. That's always how it starts. You know, and, and that's it. The you call to the Sith dark curious, side. Uh-huh. And next thing you know. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Now, as Dooku continues to excel, he gets to a point where he is going to be chosen as a Padawan by someone. And there is a master, uh, Lean Kastana, who basically her role in the Jedi is to hunt down and study Sith artifacts. So Dooku, naturally uh, interested in Sith artifacts, wants to be chosen by her. But she actually chooses sifo as her apprentice. Mm -hmm. And this kind of gets Dooku down a little bit until he is actually chosen to be uh, apprenticed uh, by Yoda. 
Mm-hmm. And so that's something that we hear in episode two. You know, Yoda calls Dooku his old Padawan, right? Or his yeah, old apprentice, start, I think he says. Yeah, we start that whole like family tree understanding that uh-huh. Yoda leads directly to Dooku. Dooku leads directly to Qui-Gon. Qui-Gon leads to Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan leads to Anakin. Yeah, absolutely. Which, well, <laughs> there's a lot to be said about that, but we'll talk about that. So during their training together, sypha has a vision of a planet being annihilated by a solar event. And what's interesting about this is the council decides not to act on it, basically saying, well, force visions aren't always a definite thing. You know, we can't really, you know, the force is as it does. You know, we need to let it happen. And Dooku becomes frustrated by this. Okay. Becomes, you know, disenfranchised a little bit. And really, this seems like the true first step in him not trusting the Jedi Council. Right. Okay. So... After this, uh, and basically the event does happen, by the way, and that's one of the reasons why Dooku becomes so unhappy with the Jedi. Yeah. So Dooku's next brush with the dark side is an interesting one. He was accompanying Sifo-Dyas and Lin Kastana to a planet that I've never heard pronounced before. Hakote? H-A-K-O-T-E-I? Hakote? Hakote? Sounds about right. Hakote? You know, the worst part is this is an audio drama, so we could probably I could have go gone and listened to it, shouldn't I? Huh? That's well, what I should you know, have done. these things happen. <laughs> uh, but instead, I was just reading it. Okay. So, on this planet, a dark side set captured the three uh, Jedi. Okay. And essentially used their powers, kind of like, you know, drawing all of their energy together to perform a dark side ritual. So, Dooku being captured, along with the other Jedi... Uh, while unconscious, uses force lightning for the first time while having a force vision to kill his captors. So, you know, he does it while unaware that he's doing it, but he does produce the force lightning, which is very, very interesting, especially because it's the first time in canon we are seeing someone who, you know, is using the dark side learn to use force lightning for the first time. Right. You know, we've seen other people use it, but never in a way that was so new to them. Right. They're all, when we see Duco use it, when we see Sidious use it, it's old hat. They've obviously practiced. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Right. Yeah. So I, I found that odd. You know, you didn't have to learn it from a dark side master, from a Sith Lord. It's just something that he was able to do. Uh, it's just something you can learn. Just not from a Jedi. <laughs> Apparently. Right. So do, Dooku became a knight and eventually a master, taking on apprentices Rail Avaros, who we meet in this book. And also he's in uh, Claudia Gray's Master and Apprentice, which is a great Obi-Wan and Gwygon mm-hmm. book. So definitely recommend that one. Um, and then obviously later he trains Gwygon. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the things that's very interesting is during his uh, tutelage of Gwygon, Gwygon becomes very interested in holocrons and prophecies and yeah. that's something that carries through for the rest of his life and why he ends up, you know, bringing Anakin back with him. So all of that probably wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for Dooku. Yeah. Right. So after leaving the Jedi Order, which happened really late in Dooku's life, I mean, he was oh, pretty yeah. old uh, at this point. He returned to Sereno and became Count, overthrowing his brother. Sometime during this, you know, after he left the order, Sidious approaches Dooku about overthrowing the Republic. 
And essentially, Chris and Dooku, Darth Tyrannus, right? So this is when their uh, apprenticeship started. Now, you would imagine that this has to be after Maul's death, mm-hmm. right? It has to be, because he can only have one apprentice at a time. Yep. And so essentially, after Maul dies, he's looking for someone new to help. And because of Dooku's essentially, you know, uh, history with the Jedi, unhappiness with the Jedi and their willingness not to act, he believes that something better is needed. So Mm -hmm. he goes along with it. So Dooku is essentially responsible for the creation of the clone army, uh, suggesting to Sifo-Dyas that something like that is needed and then Sifo-Dyas following through with it. So essentially, because of the dark vision that sifo had all those years before and all the experiences with the dark side he's had, he is tricked by Dooku into ordering this clone army. Mm. And then we see what happens later in, you know, in the clone wars, uh, Dooku essentially pays to have sifo killed. So, well, so here's the irony. If that's correct, he, right. He tricks sifo into ordering the clone army, right? Yeah. It can't happen after Maul. Because that would happen three years before Maul's death. Because the clones are in their 20s and they're at double speed growth, which means the the oldest clone, like, sorry, the youngest serviceable clone at the time of the yeah. Clone Wars would be 10, essentially. Maybe 11 or 12, maybe, no, they'd have to be 10. They're not going to be much younger than 10. And so if that's the case, uh, it's seven years Right between episode one and episode two, which it's is one ten of ten years. Is it ten? It's ten years. Because Anakin okay, is nine, then, and then nineteen. Is he ten? Huh? Ten yeah, years. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Ten then years. that means that I guess, I guess it could have happened immediately after Maul's yeah. death. Yeah, and In also theory. remember here too, we don't have a lot of hard dates. Pablo Hidalgo does. Uh, <laughs> oh, by the for, way, we keep mentioning early him. Stuff. I, I just want to throw it in here. Pablo Hidalgo is the keeper of the holocron. He's Lucasfilm's canon expert, and so whatever uh, we one of right when we well, yeah. he's one of the many people that are the canon experts. Yes. He is, of course, the canon expert. <laughs> uh, Pablo Hidalgo has made up more Star Wars than you will ever be able to read. Um, the thing about it is just we, we invoke his name because, again, he's sort of the the last arbiter of what is and isn't in. Yeah. And remember, when a detail isn't specified or given. Oh, sure. Right. It's it's all really up to our imagination until it isn't. So some of this stuff we just have to take kind of stabs in the dark. And at. again, we, 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 we talked about this before. Star Wars isn't meant to be held to this level of scrutiny. We just do it anyway. Um, <laughs> it's all part but that's of the interesting because it would have had to been like immediately after. Because again, the clones aren't that old, right? Um, and again, I'm getting legends mixed in there where we have. Well, that's the thing too, too, right? That's the thing. We don't necessarily know a whole lot about the cloning process in canon. We know more about after the clones um, are already produced than actually them. Yeah, all we know, born. I think, in canon is they mention the fact that they are growth accelerated because we yep. know that Boba is not. Right. Um, and, yeah, I guess that's about it. And yeah, we know everything. there's not a whole lot of them left by the time we get to New Hope. Uh, absolutely. 
Okay, so everything else we know about Dooku is basically things we see in the film and things we see in the Clone Wars TV show. Which is a lot, because Dooku features extremely prominently in the Clone Wars. He's sort of the mastermind villain. He is. We see him a lot. But I would definitely argue that while those Clone Wars episodes, a lot of them are very, very good, a lot of them don't really grow or change Dooku's character. No, I think the only things you see is... I think that show at the time, we already feel this now, you can feel it in what you just read, mm-hmm. is the fact that Dooku, building off some of the beats we saw in episode two, Dooku is not a particularly duplicitous person. He really does believe that the Republic's corrupt and needs upheaved. Well, like most villains, doing what he believes is right. And what doing I mean is, what he believes is the only just path. But unlike a lot of Sith, there isn't this sort of like just bent of evil to him. Like he's a ruler. He understands the weight of responsibility of ruling. He genuinely feels the Confederacy is a important and noble yeah. cause. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's just put it this way. Dooku wouldn't order the leaders of the Confederacy murdered if he knew it was going to happen. Like because Dooku would be like, but I actually believe in this. I actually think this is what we should do. He doesn't understand his master only has it as a ruse yeah i think dooku has a little bit more stake in it a little more belief in it and you see that in the way that he handles his subordinates the way he handles the war effort he's a sith lord there's no doubt about that but there's a level of not just presence but nobility to him in in his actions he's a nobler figure than any other sith we've seen yeah and i you know what? I want to discuss that a little bit more as well. Sure. But before we do that, let's finish out Dooku's arc here. So we see him mm-hmm. on Geonosis, right? And we have the scenes in the arena. But really, the Dooku stuff we get is after that, the battle between him and Anakin and Obi-Wan in the hangar. Yep. And it's shown pretty quickly that he is not someone to be messed with. He's the first person we see use Force Lightning outside of Sidious. Yep. He's taking down Anakin with extreme ease Mm -hmm. and as talented as Obi-Wan is here. You know, we just saw him do some really great things in the arena with his lightsaber. He's also beaten pretty easily. Yep. You know, so Dooku is being set up right away as a force to be met, uh, to be reckoned with. Yep. And even though Anakin has a valiant effort after that, it still really is one sided. I mean, there really isn't even a chance for our heroes to overcome and then of course we have the great dooku and yoda fight which you know absolutely groundbreaking and unique at the time and still really is in star wars film something we hadn't seen at all uh and what i love about that fight so much is we see not just a fight with lightsabers but with force powers yes and even though it is very much back and forth you know one on the offensive one on the defensive it still is something unique to star wars film that we really haven't seen since i mean there's a little bit of it between yoda and palpatine in episode three but this is i mean the closest we got is at the end with ray and kylo ending up in their force lock oh yeah it's like the closest we've gotten to getting back to the force powers other than just like push and stuff being something prominent in a lightsaber duel yeah absolutely absolutely so after basically dooku uh Shall we say wins the day? Even well, basically, though he wasn't we victorious. see that Dooku is a threat because right. he keeps pace with Yoda, even though Yoda apparently we didn't know is a Ginzu with a yeah. lightsaber. It was so kinetic and so fast; it's insane that anyone could keep up with that. 
And then he uses his force powers to basically say, well, your friends are going to die. Oh, yep, you're busy with that. Farewell. Which, admittedly, is the only way he's going to win that fight. Especially when we know, like, oh, Yoda's his former master. So not only is he fighting one of the most formidable Jedi on on existence, yeah. he's also dealing with someone who knows all too much about him. Right, right, absolutely. It... I, yeah, it's a fight I, that Dooku is unlikely to, to win, and so the stalemate he draws is essentially him yeah. winning. Well, living to fight another day. I mean, that becomes the Sith thing. They fought themselves to extinction, and so the Sith now have to be smarter. They have to win the war, not just the battle, and we're seeing Dooku being purposeful. And that's exactly what happens. Dooku gets yep. off in his solar sailor, escapes, and basically heads off to Coruscant to meet with his master. Mm-hmm. Um you know, bows to Sidious and basically they go, all right, well, our war has begun. What we planned has, has begun. And then a couple years go by yep. and we get to the last little bit of Dooku. So Chancellor Palpatine has been kidnapped. He is being held in the capital ship of the Trade Federation. And the Trade Federation has gotten so powerful or desperate, depending on how you want to view it. They're attacking the core world and succeeding. They're attacking yeah. the capital world and they've already captured the chancellor and holding him hostage. Yeah, it kind of is crazy to think, right? You know, the the republic never acted like they were losing the war, but to have your your chancellor kidnapped, your main absolute number one core world, what should be the most protected in the galaxy, well, I think is the most protected yeah, in the galaxy. Yeah, it really is something. Be drawn into a pitched battle against mm-hmm. Yeah. So Anakin and Obi-Wan arrive on the ship, they make their way through over some obstacles, and they end up fighting Dooku again. Mm-hmm. Now, in sort of a reflection of the episode two fight, we have a very similar start where Obi-Wan becomes incapacitated this time, yep. and it's Anakin fighting Dooku on his own. Um, and this time, well, Anakin's powers have gotten a little bit stronger. He's been at work. He's been working out at the gym. He's getting those hair extensions. He's got yeah. a wicked cool scar now. He's ready yeah. to fight. Yeah. So, I mean, now that Anakin is so much more powerful, he is uh, essentially making quick work of Dooku. You know, he, he's uh, going blow for blow, and you can see that Dooku's getting worried. After a few moments, a few swings, Anakin uh, takes Repays both him. of his hands. I was yeah. just saying, he's like, you took one of my hands, dude. I'm going to take both of yours. Mm-hmm. And what becomes one of the most... I think intense moments in all of Star Wars. Uh, <laughs> yes, good Anakin, good, good. Now yes. finish him. <laughs> Was it finish him or kill him? Uh, it, I think it's kill him. You're I right. Think I think it's kill him. I love it because Eric Dier is enjoying now. it so much because he's oh, I'm just the I'm just the puffy senator. I'm so happy to kill him. <laughs> like he just drops <laughs> that into that took a turn. Yeah, it's, it's really good because. <sighs> Because Anakin kind of looks over and goes like, what old man? And then Duke goes like, wait a minute. Yeah, he just Are gives you Sidious? Those, those sad know puppy that? dog eyes. Hey, Pablo Hidalgo, do I know that Sidious and Palpatine are the same guy? Or did I just figure that out? Because <laughs> that's one of those questions that keeps going. Because the yeah. way uh, Christopher Lee, who is amazing at playing Dooku and his presence alone just makes it such a great character. Mm-hmm, but absolutely. like he looks over at Sidious and recognizes the voice when it's the kill him. And you're like, he could just be reacting to the fact that his master has just signed his death warrant. Yeah. Or he could be reacting to the fact of like, Oh my gosh, is Palpatine my master? 
And I like that. I don't think there. I don't know if in canon there's an answer, but yeah, you know, I the only place I feel like maybe there'd be some explanation there is in the episode three novelization. novelization. That was so that's something canon. we'll have to check out and see. I haven't read that in a number of years, so maybe it mentions it in there. And even that, you know, the the legitimacy of that as a canon source would be up for debate a little bit, I think, but. But Anakin yeah. basically just takes those cross blades he's holding on his neck and just draws them yeah, through. that little scissor motion that just, uh, that head goes rolling. And it pops right off. And it's such a great, like, visual for Anakin that he's holding the the blue and the red uh-huh. lightsaber. Absolutely. And is right between the moral choice of do the right thing, of bring him, bring him to justice or kill him. And mm-hmm. he shows that he will become Darth Vader later in this movie. Yeah, it's our first worry about Anakin truly slipping to the dark side uh, in this film anyway. So and that concludes Dooku's journey. He does not come back with a robotic spider head or anything like that. I mean, later he could. On. I mean, There's Darth still Maul was very dead until he wasn't. Yeah. So. so there there is still time. But I think at this point, Dooku's journey is pretty much concluded. Now, we're very lucky that even though we saw Dooku's uh, life come to an end in film, we've gotten now this audio drama slash script. Yeah. We've gotten a comic book. We got plenty of Dooku in the Clone Wars. So he's become a pretty extensive character, all things considered. I mean, I think the cool thing about um, Star Wars, especially with the chalkboard erased right now, and there's a lot more room in canon again, mm-hmm. is you can always go back to these characters. They don't have to die. So once they've died, that's just the end of their story. That doesn't mean there can't be more stories in all the nooks and crannies of their life up to that point. Right. Dooku was an old man when he met his end. There's still plenty of room to expand. And there's probably a lot of interesting stuff because, like I said, he's a legendary figure even before he becomes a Sith because he's one of the lost 21. And they have all the busts in the Jedi library of the 21 people who said, you know what? Jedi's not for me. Thanks, guys. Bye. In a thousand years, there have been 21 of them. Is it 21? I believe so, and I believe that number comes from someone counting the busts in the library. But okay, that interesting. could be legends, but I don't think it is. Okay, uh, so a couple questions about uh, Darth Tyrannus, Mac. Mm. Was it weird seeing another person use Force Lightning other than Palpatine the first time you saw it? Uh, Did that shock you at all? Not particularly, and I think the reason is because. Tyrannus came off very much like his master of the the wise old man, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. The 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 grand vizier kind of fantasy character who you'd expect would have magics like that. Sure, sure. Um I think I don't know, it's hard for me to put myself in that headspace. I think at the time I I, I don't think I thought much of it other than Hey, let me just show you my dark side bona fides. Yep, I got force <laughs> lightning. Proof that I am in fact a Sith. Yeah. Did you see Darth Maul throwing that? No, he's just some dude with a stick. I am a real Sith. So, having said that, with Dooku having a Sith name, being mm-hmm. a Sith apprentice, why does Dooku not have the the Sith eyes? I think because I think Dooku doesn't have the corruption that his other brethren has. So, so Dooku being believing that he's justified... Well, I guess they all believe they're justified. No, they're all justified. Though, right? I think the difference is okay. So the Sith yeah. eyes, right, come from s- narratively selling yeah. your soul. Yeah, right. Is just doing the unforgivable yeah. deeds, and I don't think Dooku has a lot of those under his belt. Like some of the worst stuff we see is him betraying the Geonosians to the Jedi. He's like, "Oh, thank you for the plans. Bye." 
Like mm-hmm. that that's as rough as he get. He's not killing younglings. He's not murdering his master and then plotting the downfall of an entire pitting an entire galaxy into a pitch war just for a play for power. Like <laughs> his soul I just don't think is as mucked up or yeah. as dark and I think it's because we talked about like he's got a nobility to him. Unlike other people, he was a Jedi and he doesn't hate the Jedi. He wants them to be better. He wants them to be fixed. Yeah. Right? He's more let down by the Jedi and think their order should fall yeah. out of their own hubris than he is plotting revenge yeah. against them. Yeah, it it's before the failure of the Jedi, as you know, it will kind of be known. But well, like you said that example for... with the system being, you know, destroyed and mm-hmm. stuff, like he already has been failed by the Jedi, right. but he looks at it not he doesn't look at it the way Sidious is looking at it. He's, Sidious isn't like, for a thousand years, my people have plotted the destruction of those goody goodies. No, no, no. Do- Dooku is far more just the fact of like, the Jedi Order is old and weak and they, we must move on from them. Yeah, it. he... He's a better person is what I'm getting at. Well, it's interesting, right? Because we have so much now that has come about about the Jedi failing. You know, yeah. our ability to use the force is diminished. Uh, you know, Luke's speech in episode eight about the Jedi failed. The history of the Jedi is one of failure, failure, right? But then, of course, we learn that, well, failure is the most important teacher. Failure is right. the most important lesson. And so there's so much we can interpret to, interpret from all of it. But at the end of the day, Dooku is such an interesting character because he's really the last Jedi in canon who said, ah, you know what, I, I just, this whole order thing isn't for me, this could be done better. Well, you can see in the the thread that George puts together, George Lucas puts together, of Qui-Gon's maverick streak comes directly from his master. And his master is just taking that that many steps forward. Yeah. Right? Of just going to that place where... Where Qui-Gon Jinn's like, oh, hey, you know, I I don't really agree with the council's mm-hmm. decisions and mm-hmm. they should be more open minded and shouldn't be so stuffy. Yeah. Dooku is basically just like they've served their purpose and they no longer can. And the mm-hmm. the government they represent is decrepit and unable to serve its people. Yeah. We will wash the the universe clean of them and put something better together. Like, I think whereas Sidious's goal is revenge, a thousand year quest to get to Mm -hmm. give the Sith the comeuppance over the Jedi that they deserve and to have a complete lockstep control of the galaxy to basically put their boot on the throat of the galaxy. I think Dooku has none of that ambition or none of that cruelty in him. And that's why you see moments like in episode two where he's like talking to Obi-Wan and he's just being very genuine to Obi-Wan like, well, if you join me, we don't have to do this dumb blood sport. I'm not really into it. I really don't <laughs> want to see you killed by it. That's not me just posturing. I mean, that helps. But like, no, like literally just come with me. Like, look, yeah. I don't have Sith eyes. See, we can be on the Sith and be cool. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's what makes Dooku such an interesting character. Dooku always felt like what he was doing had a purpose. And I think the thing you see in episode three of Dooku being defeated and being so easily tossed aside is not like somehow like, hey, this Anakin kid, he beats you up. I think I'll take him as an apprentice. Not that I haven't been influenced in his life since he was nine. (laughs) I think the whole thing is I really think Dooku in Sidious's plan was the stopgap. 
He's like, I need you because of your political connection, how you know the Jedi inside and out. I need you to start this war for me. I need you to fight this war for me. And at the end of the war, I will replace you with a much stronger apprentice. Yeah. A much younger apprentice. The Sith really are something. Well, Sith Master's a douchebag, so. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think his whole story is very interesting. I think he fits an interesting spot in yeah. Star Wars. And I think it shows that it gives something to Sith not being just total black hat villainy mm-hmm. and kind of painting the Emperor Palpatine Sidious as more that because he yeah. he thrives and ebbs in that hatred, mm-hmm. in that mm-hmm. overwhelming passion. And I think you can see that there are more moderate Sith Lords that would be that Dooku represents a tradition of the the anti Jedi, the using the force like a weapon rather than working with it. And that's really the thing. We've been taught that the Sith are the bad Jedi. They're the bad guys. But Mm -hmm. really, they're just another religion that interprets the force in their own way and what they believed it can be used for and how it can and should be used. And that makes it interesting because that opens up for other things. You know, we've seen now in canon, the guardians of the wills, uh, you know, with Chirrut and Bays, and we're seeing these other interpretations, uh, Maz, you know, knowing the force and Lor Santeca and these people who have these relations to the force, but aren't Sith and aren't Jedi. Right. And we're hopefully going to see more of that as we go. That's something I'm really looking forward to. And I think it's nice to have a Sith in, you know, Tyrannus that isn't necessarily a mustache twirling villain. You know, not that I really want to reduce Palpatine to that either because he's one of the most plotting purposeful villains in cinema history, but Dooku is something different. If we consider that force users and people who worship the force lie along a spectrum, right? Mm -hmm. You figure that people like the Guardians of the Willis and the Church of the Jedi basically sit at the very center or maybe just a little to the light side because they don't touch the force themselves in a meaningful way. So the force is an alien thing like our religions are to us. We talk about the will of God, but no one's, other than maybe the Pope, is hearing the voice of God in their head, right? So it's all our interpretation of what we think of these big cosmic forces we can't understand. Whereas force users, they end up on either side of the seesaw. The light serves the light side. They try to live with harmony and tranquility and be removed from selfishness. Basically, they represent a traditional Western view of good, which is selflessness. Yeah. The Sith represent selfishness putting your needs, passions, and interests above others. Mm -hmm. And the reality Mm -hmm. is in the world that really isn't good and that's black and white, but it's not good and evil per se. We associate altruism with good and we associate narcissism with bad, but we've used both of them to advance the human species many, many, many times over. So the idea is like Dooku is a little off center to the dark side because he's like, I have a view of the world that is important enough to me that I will fight a war for it. Yeah. And in reality, one of the things that probably screws up and breaks the Jedi down is the Jedi really shouldn't be, the Jedi shouldn't care about the Republic and the people of the Republic. They shouldn't be attached to them enough to fight a war for them. Yeah. And of course, when you start going that way, that's when you get to the episode one, two and three interpretation that I like of the Jedi of showing them as not perfect. 
They're flawed. Their mm-hmm. altruism leads to an aloofness and total disconnect from the concerns of the people they say they're going to protect. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's nice that as we go on, we keep getting more nuanced and more um, gray into the way these things get interpreted. But at the end of the day, I like the fact of like, well, yeah, yeah you know, Sidious did fight a war just for his own political gain. And yes, Anakin killed younglings, so it's pretty easy to write them off as evil, whereas Dooku is more complex. That's why he's more towards the center. That's why yeah. he's less, it's less easy to just put him in the, like you said, mustache twirling. And really, the only reason Sidious ends up that way is because, I mean, gosh, that Senate fight is him just cackling like a madman, finally throwing <laughs> down his mask and saying, like, the whole time I have been, I am so inside your head. Not only have you been paying rent, I've been subletting the space because he's one. Yeah. That is just sh- throwing off the, the shackles of this character of Palpatine he's been playing and him just sheerly enjoying his victory. Mm-hmm. But it does make him feel like a Saturday morning cartoon, just the way how how much he's enjoying just being a murderous SOB. <laughs> yeah. Eh, well, that's all part of the fun of him, too. Yeah. But Dooku's, Dooku's an incredible character. Yeah, and, and he's got that great lightsaber hilt. And You can't sleep on that for a second. All right. Let's just wrap up by just talking a little bit about his dueling blade. I got one, two things to say about that. One, beautiful. It's a beautiful piece <laughs> of metalwork. It's one of my favorite top three lightsaber hills. And has one of my favorite things that you only really saw in comic books before this, but is the prongs. Yes. The extrude the extrusions that go out the end, which seems like a really good safety thing to extend the <laughs> safety, you know, the fact that you could hit yourself with the hilt, but it's not interrupting the blade. Yeah. And he has the one along the top mm-hmm. so that you know, he can bring it back towards himself, like hold it like a pistol in front of yeah. him without accidentally coming back too far and cutting his shoulder yeah. off. Then the second thing I have to say about his <laughs> lightsaber. Yeah. Lightsabers aren't piercing weapons. There's no reason for it to exist. When a blade can cut through you, basically effortlessly yeah. cut through anything. There's no reason to pierce you with it because I, if I could touch you, I've already cut something off. They are slashing weapons. So while cool, it's not the most practical weapon. But that kind of maybe just goes ah, he into... He uses it pretty well, though. Was it, it might go back to more of what Dooku is, which is Dooku's an honorable man. Mm-hmm. He's going to he's going to have a fencing match with you, and he's going to earn points. You know, he's not here to butcher people. He's yeah. here to win the battle. So for him, just a nice pencil-sized hole through your heart from his blade is winning. He doesn't have to cut off your hands and arms and all this stuff to improve a point. <laughs> doesn't have to burn you alive on a lava planet. No. But he is also uh, one who would remind you that he has the high ground as a courtesy. He absolutely would. <laughs> you know, I really hope we get more Dooku in the future. He's a very interesting character, and I think the more we expand well, on him, the better he gets. Don't be surprised that this book represents some, maybe he has got some screen time in the updated Clone Wars when those launch in November. Oh, that would be fun to see more cartoon Dooku. I could be on board for that. Yeah, well, I mean, we still have some loose threads with like, um, I mean, they did a lot of work talking a lot about Dooku through Ventress, his apprentice, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and how interesting that was. You know, we do see a good bit of Dooku. There's not a whole lot of character development in the novel Dark Disciple which is yeah. very much about Ventress and Quinlan Voss. And I should also say, earlier I mentioned 
Dooku being the last Jedi we see leave the Order, technically Quinlan Voss, Ahsoka, there are a couple, well, but he is the last one who really truly. And again, it's a little bit murkier when you talk side, about the Clone yeah. Wars, but also, well, and Ahsoka's different. Ahsoka's yeah. expelled. Yeah. It's a little different. Yeah. Absolutely. There are some differences, but I do want to point that out that he's not You're technically right. the last person, but he is the last person to truly fall to the dark side sort of permanently. To die good on point. the dark side, we'll yeah, say. Yeah, yeah. It's a good way to put so it. So hopefully we'll come back to Dooku soon. Uh, we're finally getting a six inch black series of him. Finally. Took long enough. Uh, <laughs> I can't wait to hopefully one day buy a Dooku saber at Galaxy's Edge. Ooh. So. Those are things that, uh, yeah, all seem pretty, uh, pretty exciting. I'm, a, I'm a Dooku fan. I, you know, I always growing up before when we just had the original trilogy, my favorite character was Obi Wan. I've always liked the, you know, old wise character, and uh, Dooku is just sort of the Sith version of that to a certain extent. Uh, you know, he's basically the evil Alec Guinness, and I'm all about that. Well, just to have the the man with the golden gun slash Dracula within a two year span be in Lord of the Rings and Star Wars was enough to blow Little Max mind. Uh huh. Uh huh. I mean, really, there's there's not a bigger star in this realm than Christopher Lee. Christopher Lee's great. All right. Well, I think that's all we need to say. Uh, yeah. Let's move on to our next Sith. Why do you come to my tomb, Jedi? To learn. Do you know who I am? Yes. Darth Bane. The ancient Sith Lord, you are. And know why I am not forgotten? Created the rule of two. You did. The Sith killed each other. Victims of their own greed. But from the ashes of destruction, I was the last survivor. I chose to pass my knowledge on to only one. I created a legacy so resilient that now you come before me. <laughs> Have you come to be my apprentice? You must kill me to gain my place. Dead you are already. <laughs> then what stands before you? An illusion. Real, you are not. You do not fear me. No. Exist, you do not anymore. The dark side is like a venom. Put it into one vessel, it is potent and can kill anyone. Spread it among many cups, and it becomes weaker with each passage. That is the crux of why the rule of two exists. To make our powers potent and strong. That's spooky as hell. Do you know whose words those are? <sighs> I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm guessing it's not Luke. That is the words of... Darth Bane. Darth Bane? That sounds creepy. Darth Bane is an interesting cat. Tell me a little bit about him, Mac. All right. So um, let's start off with a big division here between canon and legends. In canon, Darth Bane is the Dark Lord of the Sith who invents the rule of two. Okay. 
And the rule of two basically comes from Darth Bane was an ancient Sith um, from basically before the Rusian, uh, was it the Rusian Reformations, a.k.a. In Star Wars, when we meet the Republic, mm-hmm. the Republic has only existed for about a thousand years. Now, that's not actually true. This The Republic's been around in one form or another for 25,000 years. But in canon, they they use the terms from the movies that for a, you know a thousand years, the Jedis have been the guardians of peace and justice. And building from that, the government as we know it has only existed for about a thousand years. And that's because a thousand years ago, there was a Jedi Sith war. Yes. Yes. And while in Canon, we don't have answers to why that relates to, or how that relates to the founding of the current Republic in Canon. We know that that is at the same point in time as the establishment of our current Republic. Gotcha. And the Sith Jedi war ends in the Jedi wiping the Sith from the galaxy. Yes slaughtering all of them there were lots of them just like there were lots of jedi there were lots of sith it wasn't always just a couple and bane is one of the few one of the only i'm sorry the only survivor (laughs) of all of that yes and bane starts the rule of two the concept okay so we hear a little bit about the rule of two in the phantom menace yes but tell me what it is from bane's perspective So the idea was Bane saw that with all of these Sith running around, they were unorganized. They were backstabbing. They were infighting. And that they did more damage to themselves than the Jedi that they fought actually did to them. So you had a bunch of people who wanted to be leaders, wanted to be in charge, wanted to be the one calling the shots. A bunch of managers and no employees. Gotcha. They needed a first follower. They they needed. So... (laughs) We have, so, so we have Bane. Again, we got to be careful here because in canon, Bane exists a thousand years ago. The Jedi kill all the Sith. <laughs> he basically goes off to start the rule of two. The idea that there's a master and an apprentice. There are never more than that. That each master's duty is to pass on all of their knowledge to their apprentice. Their apprentice's job is to basically work hard to eventually kill their master and yeah. overtake them. And to and the idea would be it's a survival of the fittest thing. If that chain continues, each successive Sith master will be more and more and more powerful because they will have learned everything from their master to the point their master is useless and walk over their body to Mm -hmm. advance the cause. And the idea would be that the Sith would be dedicated to the concept of the dark side, its study, and the Sith principles of trying to destroy the Jedi. And that they would, over a long enough timeline, wipe them out. What an ingenious plan. It's a bold plan, and it requires someone with vision. Because... Again, he is basically stating, I must find someone who can defeat me. Yeah. And that's yeah. that's a true believer is what you've got there. He's drank the Kool-Aid. He's he's he invented he's all the, in on he brewed Sith. the Kool-Aid. Yeah, he's all in on being Sith and it well, let me ask you this. Who's his apprentice? Who who is the so one that in canon he has one because we have Darth Plagueis and we have Sidious. So the chain <laughs> obviously gets a thousand years down yeah. the pike. But in canon, the only other thing we know about Darth Bane is that he exists on a synth temple, heavily implied to be Korriban, in the uh, lost episodes of Clone Wars where yes. Yoda goes on his walkabout because he sees an illusion his of Darth Bane. 
And well, if you're not if you're not familiar, that is season six of the Clone Wars, the Lost mm-hmm. Missions. Uh, soon it available a four part on Disney. I think three. Okay, because yeah. it is the very end. It's the last three episodes, I believe. Right? And it's, yeah, and it's Yoda going through, and it's basically I feel like the uh, Clone Wars writing team basically saying everything else they want to say about Star Wars as a subject. Yeah. Before they their toys are pulled from them, because they <laughs> they try their best to redeem midi chlorians in that arc, mm-hmm. and this is where they try to address their belief systems about the. Sith, because we see Yoda is in this dark side temple Mm -hmm. and this, you know, this creature of red energy and ash pulls up out of a Sith grave and is basically mocking him and just saying, like, if you've come here, that is because you seek my knowledge. You wish to become my apprentice. And Yoda's like, no, I don't I don't I don't want to do that. It's like, then you will die before I, the greatest living living you know sith of all time he's like you are not alive you've been dead for many years then what stands before you an illusion i am no illusion it's like you are you've been dead for a really long time and he just starts getting pulled back into his grave as like yoda uses his own will to kind of just say like i don't fear you dark side vision i don't i don't fear anything about yeah you you are truly nothing other than the force yeah your time has been over for millennia like And so that pushes Darth Bane back. Now, some of the things we see about Darth Bane there is his really cool, very ornamental headgear. Yeah. Um, It's kind of these multi-tipped, like, crown that kind of tulips up out of his head. And a predilection to wear things that kind of obscure his face. Now, when we go into Legends... It's a little different, right? It just expands it out. And it's, again, that weird world where, like... If it's in Legends, it's pseudo-canon until proven otherwise, because in canon, Darth Bane is a Sith ghost Yoda met that one time who says he invented the Rule of Two, which is a thing in Star Wars, which just means there's a Master and Apprentice. That's all there is to it. Yeah. every Half of even what I've already said is not technically canon. It's just filling in the gaps with some Legend stuff that seems to be having some tips of the hat to. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, we get everything we need to know about the rule of two in episode one, right? I mean, yes. Yoda says it's to Mace, I believe. Always two there are, a master and apprentice. It's after they're having their conversation about how could the Sith have returned? How could this have happened? You know, how are we blind to this? And Yoda says, well, okay, there's always two. And Mace goes, well, who was destroyed, the master or the apprentice? And that's basically where it leaves off and to me that is such an interesting thing because you know seeing the original trilogy first growing up with it you know we don't know what vader and sidious are we just know that they're they're bad guys right yeah and as we start to get more and more details about what they are it makes it that much more interesting yeah and having these warring religious factions as I've gotten older and, you know, you understand more about the world and you understand more about religion and you open yourself up to these other things. It's really interesting to think that this war is really just about how to define mythicism. I mean, really, that's what we're talking about here. We're talking about which practice of this religion is the right one. And that's what they're fighting about. And it makes it feel more authentic. Because we're used to religious wars, wars yeah. in our history and <laughs> that's worlds. That's true. That's true. 
Uh, um, so in Legends, just expand him out a little bit. Yeah. So Darth Bane is basically the Legends answer to that question of the rule of two. So like we know the Jedi are aware of this tradition of two, and it sort of upsets the apple cart and everything we as Star Wars fans probably would have assumed that you know oh the Jedi have back you know beaten the Sith back beyond the galactic rim and something like no there's two there's only two like you mean that in a in the quadrillions of people in the galaxy, yeah. there are two. Literally two. Literally. Literally two. Um, and some of the, you know, some of it starts to get a little mucked up later with Sith assassins and Inquisitors, but we'll talk about that more in a minute, I think. Well, here. so this is where Legends kind of helps flesh yeah. out the concepts. So, so Bane is a character who is... Basically, as a very young man, he works, he lives on a mining planet and he's abused by everyone, including his father, physically abused. And one night when he's just becoming an adult, he really has enough with his father and challenges his father to a straight up fight. And his father beats him Hmm. and just breaks some of his ribs and like rolls him to the side. And it's like, he's just going to, you know, sleep the night out in the streets and that he's scum. Well, as Bane falls asleep that night, his hatred and frustration with everything manifests as a dream of him holding his father's heart with an invisible hand and just slowly crushing the life out of it. Uh Uh-oh. He wakes up to find that he has crushed his father's heart in his sleep through the Force. And so he spends the next handful of years basically fighting to get respect in this mining colony and to survive. And this eventually leads him to being found by the Sith Brotherhood and becoming a Sith. And with some of the other uh, members of the sect, he basically starts studying up on some of the Sith information that he sees. And he starts starting to see that this organization is flawed. He keeps seeing the infighting and the murderous intent of his his fellow Brotherhood and just realizes that, we're weak. We, we, we have <laughs> such a foolishness fighting ourselves. Our true enemy is the Jedi. These people that have cast us into the shadows of civilization have made it so that everything that we are is just to oppose them because of all the other things that we're fighting with. And this all leads to a point and I'm yada yada over some stuff, but <laughs> it leads to a point where he um, finds a holocron of Darth Revan. Um, Darth Revan, who's a very complex character in Legends, because Darth Revan, he, she, it, um, is the playable <laughs> character from the old original Knights of the Republic game. Spoiler. Um, but that character is kind of nebulous because they have to be, because they could be a male or a female. They could be, you know, this type of Jedi or that type of Jedi because they're a player character. Right, right. Um, and so... We know that Revan created a holocron during the height of their Sith days that Bane finds. And Bane listens to this and says, oh, my gosh, you know, another three, you know, uh, 3000 years before me, they were screwing it up. Then the (laughs) Sith have been wrong this whole time. And that's where that line I just gave you kind of comes is this kind of culmination of the idea of. In all these hands, the dark side is deluded. Yeah. Pull it all together. And that one holder of the dark side powers could be incredibly powerful. Mm -hmm. And there would be no politics because there would only be two. 
Yeah. So he gets his, his head and he helps basically draw the Sith and the Jedi to a final confrontation. And in doing so, he sort of tricks his Sith brotherhood into basically getting themselves in a position where they're going to get wiped out. Yeah, he basically it's, brings them all together. Yes. Right? And then the Jedi arrive. Yep. And yeah, and, they, the, so well. and he's taught a power to the one leader of the Sith Brotherhood from his teachings yeah. um, about a Sith bomb. <laughs> and when basically Bane asks, okay, give me all the power. I will use a great force of the way, focus through me to defeat the Jedi. And when the Sith Brotherhood doesn't agree to that, proving to Bane that no, these people can't work together and bring all that poison to a single point. Yeah. They can't they can't get over their crap and serve the dark side. No, they got to serve themselves before that. That's when he tricks them into using this. Oh, well, I have this other power. Maybe you can use that. And the force bomb is basically designed to screw and destroy all the Sith. Yeah. And it kills a whole bunch of Jedi in the mix. But the Jedi believe that they wiped out the Sith, that there's no one left. And this is how Bane becomes the only survivor. Yeah. And while he's on that planet, kind of picking through the wreckage of this war front, um, he finds a young girl who has been kind of like left in the wayside. She um, is, you know, had this small creature that was her only friend. And the Jedi in an accident during the war kills her friend. And she lashes out with her hatred and passion and is strong with the force and ends up subduing those two Jedi. And Bane says, oh, I was about to start looking for your apprentice. You you'll do <laughs> and he um has her name is uh, Zana and she is the first apprentice she is the apprentice he is the master and over the course of the next couple of years he goes to Typhon he goes and learns about the ancient Jedi to realize how corrupt and screwed up they were in his mind he goes and finds more Sith artifacts he basically just goes on these quests to embedder mm-hmm. himself and solidify his ideas mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um all the while he is training up his apprentice, beginning the legacy of yeah. what does a master teach their student? How does he teach her? What is too much? What is too little? And as he gets later in life, he starts realizing that Zada has taken far too much of a father figure to him. And while he's trained her well, he doesn't feel she has the ruthlessness to attempt on his life. He mm. thinks she's going to wait till I'm very old and then either I'll succumb to myself or she'll kill me then, then when I'm weak. And I don't want that. I want I want them to kill the master when they're strong. So the master stays strong until their last days. Yeah. You know, and so he actually starts training up another apprentice as a backup because he just doesn't think she's going to work out which leads to a fight between them and then Bane gets destroyed as part of it but Bane had been working on transferring his essence so his essence ends up in his apprentice Darzana and she sort of is not exactly haunted but has a piece of his darkness that makes her the truth she was always meant to be and he go wants her to go forth and like set down a holocron putting all this information into play mm. which Basically, there's nothing really too much in Legends between there. We get to Plagueis has followed these, but Plagueis gets obsessed with the idea that Bane learned to transfer his essence. So what does that mean? Does that mean we can transfer our bodies? Does that mean we could become immortal? Does Mm -hmm. that mean this and that? And that's where we get to Plagueis the Wise and where we get to Sidious and how they, you know, sure deal with each other. So then the question I have after hearing all that is, is the rule of two successful i mean 
you know, we see Sidious with Vader essentially rise to power and rule the galaxy for 23, give or take years. And, you know, to a certain extent, that's the most successful a Sith has ever been. I mean, they're holding the highest position of power in the entire galaxy. They got it through force and planning and cunningness. And cool. so for, you know, a thousand years, the Sith are in hiding and eventually the plan does work out. But, you know, not a thousand years. You're only ruling for 20. You know, is that a success? I would say so. I would say they are that Sidious fulfilled the revenge Bane planned. Because he destroyed the Jedi. He destroyed right? the Jedi and he destroyed them in the way that Bane wanted, which was through cunning and through influence and through casting forth, I guess, the poison Yeah. target by target. Because I think the thing that's really important about Bane's vision of the Sith is the Sith aren't just two people. Mm-hmm. But the idea is there's only two people that hold any real power. Everything else is influence and fear and manipulation yeah. and yeah. subterfuge and twisting the world in the way that they want. And Palpatine's ultimate expression of that is he literally gets the galaxy to rip itself apart in a civil war mm-hmm. just to weaken it enough for him to take control of it. It, it really is incredible. And I think that's where your Sith assassins, the Inquisitors, Mm -hmm. all that stuff plays out is they're given lightsabers. They're given a magic trick or two of the dark side. But, you know, the Inquisitor from the first season of Rebels doesn't even know one one thousandth of what Vader knows. And Vader doesn't even know one one hundredth of what Sidious knows. The Inquisitors, using them as our example, are not there to kill the Apprentice. Mm-hmm. You know, they might, Sidious might say they are. In fact, I think they even hinted that in some of the Vader comics that, you know, Vader is becoming too soft, not aware, and Sidious wants him to be on his toes. But it's shown very quickly every time we see an Inquisitor that right. they're nothing compared to Vader. Right. And I, I think the idea is just the that those characters, or Sith assassins in the case of what Dooku presents... Ventress as to to Sidious is like, this is my assassin. I'm giving her red blades. I'm teaching her force jumps so that she can be more effective at killing Jedi. She's totally not my apprentice because I'm plotting your death and she's my candidate. Yeah. Um, But again, that could be also part of it is those types of acolytes could just be the candidate pool for other other apprentices. Because, again, there is a certain longevity to the planning that they have. And it's kind of weird because... Like I said, a true Sith doesn't fear their own death. Their own death is being succeeded in the line of darkness that mm-hmm. will maintain. And I think that's that's why it's kind of weird, because in Legends, Palpatine's a betrayer of that, because Palpatine finds immortality. Yeah. A couple times over in Legends, he found ways to cheat death. Mm-hmm. Depending on how December works out of this year, <laughs> perhaps he's done it in canon, but at least in canon so far... Vader was supposed to eventually overtake the Emperor. Or yeah. if Vader couldn't do it, he was going to train Luke and Luke would do it. Mm-hmm. Like Sidious was looking for the worthy Emperor to take over his empire. Yeah. Um, and so that is in living with the rule of two, which is why Darth Bane is a name we know. It's nice to have some of these connecting threads. Mm-hmm. And as they continue to get filled in in this new age of canon, it's going to be really fun to watch and read. And 
see all of this material. Well, and it's also always fun to see the way that things come back into canon. Yes. What elements get picked. Because a great example of this is Bane has a very distinct look in everything that was printed in Legends. He's okay. got these big, sulken, dark eyes, a kind of very square head, and, you know, the incapable of smiling. Um, and one of the things about it is later in his life, he reads the the holocrons of Freedon Nad, who's an important character from the Knights of the Republic stories, mm-hmm. uh, the Tales of the Jedi and stuff. And while he's researching that in this temple, one of the defenses is these Orbalisk um, bugs. These essentially things that grind themselves into his skin and, you know, give him constant unending pain, very much like Vader's armor fuels him with rage and hate all the time because of how uncomfortable it is. Mm -hmm. But like Vader's armor, these bugs, once they form into his skin, make his skin even resistant to lightsabers. Um, Mm. It gives him a horrific look, but it makes his body far more impenetrable than it would be otherwise, which is why when he actually finally gets defeated, it's from like energy. Like at one point he gets uh, sidelined by a Jedi by being force lightning, having it thrown back on him. Mm. And the other time when his body gets destroyed, it's just basically within force energies being thrown at his body while he's trying to get out of it. Okay. Very interesting. So, but when you see him if, in like the Yoda stories, you kind of see the impression of that crown and stuff, but it's nowhere near exactly like that. So, the Bane we have in canon isn't necessarily the character I described to you the second half of this, but he's sort of come back, and there's some nods yeah. and there's some teases well, that Filoni and his team gave to it. And that's what is so neat now about these last couple years of seeing all of these things be brought in in a way that makes sense. I mean, the most obvious example, if you're familiar with Star Wars Legends and now Star Wars canon, is Thrawn. Yeah. You know, Thrawn was one of the most popular, if not the most popular, Legends character. I'd agree with that. And while he couldn't be brought in in the same way his story in Legends unfolded five years after Return of the Jedi, he was brought in in a different way. Now a trilogy of novels, uh, the antagonist for a couple of seasons of a Star Wars canon TV show, and still more to come with him, most likely in the future. Uh, Thrawn really is the perfect example of what can be done. If we just open up our minds a little bit more to bring some of this stuff in and seeing Bane, even if just for a moment, even as just as a spirit in the Clone Wars makes it feel that much more real and that much closer to being able to exist. Yeah. And that's so exciting. As a Star Wars fan, how are you not excited by that if you're interested in any of that legend stuff? Well, and I think the thing with legends is it's always that constant battle of we had our stories and mm-hmm. we love them yeah. and they are legends now. And so there's a certain dismissiveness that I think Disney will never completely overcome in living memory of like, yeah, guys, look, your stories, the EU, the extended universe, it's really nice. And you know what? <laughs> We're going to put it on a shelf right here. You can still buy it from us. It's just going to have a tag that says made up. I, I mean, legends, mm-hmm. it's a legend. So, that dismissiveness, I think, got a lot of people on the wrong foot. And then the problem is, like, you have this huge burden of, especially, I think, I'm a super minority in the EU because I basically did nothing post-Jedi. 
Yeah. Those books are basically a black hole as far as I'm concerned because yeah. I read hardly any of them. And that's where we're very much the opposite again is those are the books I and, read and you have read the, the, the prequel stuff. And for me, the prequel stuff was, was always newer. It's a little more flexible for like, oh, we got rid of that. But like, OK, so outbound flight can't happen now. But you know what? Who cares? We can see bits and pieces <laughs> that survive. Thrawn, his encounter with prequel era, you know, Star Wars has yeah. a much cooler connection now written by the man who wrote Outbound Flight, so how mad can you get? He rewrote his own character for this right, setting. Right, But I think you have characters like someone who's more from your end of the pool, whose EU knowledge is mostly about the, I want to know what happened after Endor. I can understand that, like, no matter how you bring her back, Mara Jade will never be the Mara Jade that people yeah. grew up on. She just can't. There's no space for her in the way the sequels have turned out. Yeah. That doesn't mean you couldn't bring that character back and get the flesh and bones of her because that's right. how Thrawn is. Thrawn is not the same character he is in Heir to the Empire. But in a lot of ways, he's better. He's more thought out. It, he fits more in with the universe. He's but it depends on who you would ask. Right. I would agree with that. Yeah. But I, I can I can see a person where basically Disney put a huge onus on themselves of like, what happens after Endor? We get to say now. And a whole bunch of fans folded their arms and like, well, it's got to be as good, if not better, than what I already know happened yeah. after Endor. Yeah. And that's a tall order to fill, especially yes. the older you are and the more those were a product of your times. Yeah. Because like some of those things feel hokey now because they were written in the 90s. And the 90s feel like the 90s even in Star Wars. Yes. Um, but at the same time, there's things like Dr. Aphra now who feels like a very weird character for a seventies inspired star Wars era. And so it's like, it makes sense that the universe as it gets bigger is got weird growth spurts of trying mm -hmm. to figure out what, what makes sense and what doesn't, what, yeah. what is paying homage and what is being stuck in the past. Yeah. And we'll figure that out together. And, <laughs> yes, and Darth Bane just being acknowledged, like you said, is a reminder of the fact that these things are constantly in evolution and that yes. just because it's a legend doesn't mean it will won't ever become fact again. Absolutely. It, it it's nice to see. It's encouraging. Mm -hmm. Right? I think so. Yeah. And Darth Bane's pretty darn cool. So if you yeah. want to find out more about him, there are a trilogy of legends books you yep. can pick up. They're out there in hardcover. They're out there in paperback. They're not hard to get, you know, yeah. your local Barnes and Noble or even your local used bookstore should have, uh, you know, a pretty yeah, and, decent supply. So. And like anything that's more than like prequels to episode one, anything like this, any of the old Republic stuff is pretty much immune to canon stuff at the moment because no one's officially playing in that playground right now. So if you read the Darth Bane books, you could just enjoy them, not worry about like, well, is this canon now or not? Like it really, it's yeah. so disconnected from what canon's concerned with. Just yeah. enjoy them for what they are. Yeah. And that's the thing at the end of the day. They're stories. Right. And the nice thing about them, especially the Bane stuff, is it's a trilogy of complete stories. That's true. Right? It's three complete stories. And, you know, current canon is going to get there. We've got some really great stuff. Some of the books we've gotten in canon, we would never have gotten in Legends. And, no, no. You know, the diversity of them. And I'm all about that. So it, I, I'm a big fan of canon, and I'm not, you know, picking a side here, but... Legends is a lot of fun to read, you know, to be able to pick up a single book or a trilogy of books that was completed 10 or 20 years yeah. ago. So you don't have to worry about connecting to anything. You can just kind of put your mind at ease and slip into these characters for a novel or three. And 
that is something really special on its own without having to say, oop, is this hinting at something that's coming in The Rise of Skywalker? Well, and the nice thing that's also good about it is all you're playing with is two timelines, right? Yes. All the legend stuff does connect to itself perfectly. It does. It's only the canon stuff that's usurped it because... The Star Wars has its timeline break after yeah. episode se- you know, episode six, and it goes in two different directions mm-hmm. now, and it's totally fine. But the nice thing is, it's not like it's total fluff. Like the EU still is alive and well. Right. It's just an alternate set of what ifs. Right. Right. And I mean, really, the only, the only thing to keep in mind with the EU, it's one sort of still real big benefit is that it's done. Yes. You know, you can go and you can read oh, man. Yeah. a complete story, essentially. I mean, the one downside is it doesn't really have an ending, but you can see, you oh, know. No, no, no. It has an ending, and then they kept going, and then it has an ending, and <laughs> then they kept going. And That's true. an ending, true. and they kept going. That's true. They're... And then they got to Legacy, where if you want to know the end, you can know the real end. We don't know the very things from the last almost an ending to the final ending. But... Uh, yeah, but it definitely gets close. But for you know, for those of you, <laughs> we're going to wrap this one up. But we for are. those of you yes. who don't know, uh, Legends basically ends 40-odd-ish years after after the battle after episode six yeah after the battle of endor so you know we're at about 45 ish years and luke and and it's got like kids and wife and and leia and their kids and lots of people have died lots of things have happened i think it's a 60 year gap to that to legacy which is the furthest flung they ever got from the movies i don't think it's i don't think it's quite that far but it's yeah it's it's I don't know if it's quite well, 60. Cade's his grand, Luke's grandson. Oh, yeah, but that's that's not... I'm talking specific... Sorry. I'm talking specifically novels. You're talking... Uh, then you're talking... That's graphic. I'm talking EU. Yeah, whole, yeah, that's true. The whole enchilada. Yeah. And this is very much already <laughs> beyond a topic for another time. Yeah, all right. Let's talk about that more. Darth Bane's cool. Check him out if you're more interested in the dark side things. The novels are a ton of fun. Definitely a recommend. Master Vodo! Yes, my son. And why is the fate of a renegade Jedi of such interest to my greatest student? I... I was only curious to see what you've been recording in your holocron. Curiosity can be rewarding, Exarchun. But some teachings of the holocron are dangerous before you are ready. The Onderon system became, for several centuries, a focus of dark side power. Turn it off. You've heard enough. But Master... Turn it off! This hidden knowledge is meant for Jedi Masters. I wish you would concentrate on the things I choose to teach you. I don't understand, Master Voto. Why can't I learn about the Sith? I think you underestimate me. After all, I have nearly completed my lightsaber training. A Jedi's training in the Force never ends. When you have lived this discipline a few more years, perhaps you can study the things of the dark side. Now get Kredo and Silvar. It is time to test your vaunted knowledge of the lightsaber. All right, Ross. I'm ready to talk about one of my favorite characters in all of Star Wars. We're wrapping up our Sith Spectacular. <laughs> with Our Sith-tacular. Our Sith-tacular. I'm not going to call it that in the show notes. Oh, well, oh I, I might call I it will. in the show notes, but not on the banner. Okay, well, we'll make it happen. But we have another character. One that Mac and I both were excited to talk about, but we knew him from different areas very different areas of star wars and that character is another sith named xr kun and whereas we talked about one sith lord who is super duper canon 
We've talked about another one who's sort of in canon, but most of his stories are out of canon. Now we're talking about someone who doesn't even touch canon yet. Yet. And maybe one day he will. Maybe one day he will. But for now, let's talk about what we know. So this is 100% from Legends. None of this is in any way affecting any of the Star Wars films or any Star Wars thing made since 2014. And as stated, he lives a lot in some of the gray areas, especially what I'm going to speak to, mm-hmm. because it happens so far away that just no one would be commenting on it in canon, even if it was canon. Yes, very true. So let's get into it. So Exar Kun was a male human. Yes. Okay, so we're not talking about alien species. It's easier to picture. He has sort of a black ponytail. He's and got a... If you remember like, the... a, like a linebacker. Like he's bigger, broader. He's a bigger, broader guy, and he has the haircut of um, the Highlander TV show. <laughs> okay, so he—it's the mid '90s. That's yeah. why they picked that haircut. So he was a Jedi apprentice. He was a Jedi. Had showed extreme promise, and he was around basically four thousand years before the Battle of Yavin. So I mean, Correct. we're talking a long time ago, right? So Kuhn was trained by Jedi Master Vodosiosk Bass. Okay. Vodosios. You think I'm saying that right? Huh? Vodosiosk? Uh, Vodosiosk Bass. Vodosiosk yeah, Bass. Right. I was right the first time. Okay. On the planet Dantooine, mm-hmm. Kuhn always pushed himself to essentially be better, stronger, uh, wanting to become a great Jedi. Yep. One day, seems to be the way this happens, Kuhn accessed the Sith holocron uh, that his master possessed. And basically from this, Kuhn learned a lot about the Sith. One of them being a Sith Lord, Freedan Nad. Mm-hmm. So Freedan Nad was a fallen Jedi who conquered the planet Onderon and then ruled as a Sith king. Essentially, yep. Okay. So Kuhn left his master soon after this, his desire for dark side knowledge continuing to grow. And again, let's also say he's Sith curious. It's the fact it's a taboo gets him started because he's... He's set up as a bit of an archaeologist, like he's fascinated by the past, the great hyperspace war and the old ancient Sith war and all that kind of stuff. So he just wants to know. And that forbidding of that is what makes him go nuts to try and find more of this stuff. And his journey trying to find these artifacts leads him to the moon of Zun. I think that's how it said. D-X-U-N. Oh, uh, Duxon. It's Duxin, really? Yeah. Doesn't that sound sound. kind of lame? So here's the fun thing. (laughs) Unlike other Star Wars stuff, I'm very familiar with the pronunciations of everything from Tales of the Jedi because, A, I heard them as an audiobook first. And Duxin is also a place you can go in the uh, Knights of the Republic 2 game because Onderon features in that game. I really have to play some of this pre-Phantom Men of stuff, don't I? So... I'm obsessed with KOTOR. 4,000 years before the 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 uh, Battle of Yavin is my territory that I know too well. Uh, I didn't do any research for him before this. You're reading stuff. I'm going like, yeah, yeah, I can I can plus that. I can make that even longer if you want. <laughs> well, don't worry, Mac. There will be time here momentarily. Okay. So essentially on his journey for these Sith artifacts on Duxon. Yes. Right? The moon Duxon of Onderon. Uh, he discovers the crypt of Freedom Nod, uh, touched by the spirit of the Dark Sith Lord, and through ancient scrolls, he basically learns about 
this guy. He, you know, more artifacts learns what this guy was all about. So guided by the dark spirit of, you know, Nad, uh, he, (laughs) yeah, basically a earthquake, a Mm -hmm. rumble through the forest happens, right? And this temple collapses, basically destroying Kuhn. I mean, destroying his body. I think I read breaking his body, his bones in over 100 places. Essentially killing him and putting him on the edge of death. Crushing him to the point that only his spirit's holding him together. Yes. So at this point, the dark side spirit of Frida Nad shows up and offers him safety and, you know, basically offers to be his savior if he follows the dark path, if he basically does what he's told. And while Kuhn is at flashes with anger and frustration with his fellow students and being mad about forbade, he hasn't yet wanted to give up Jedi. He's just curious. And this is where he has to make the dark side choice of, as Yoda would put it, choosing the dark side, which will forever dominate his destiny. Yeah, I mean, realistically, he decides that he's still a Jedi, but he's going to learn about the Sith. He's going to use this as an opportunity to expand upon his knowledge, right? Yep. Okay, so after this, uh, let's see here, where were we? So the whole thing about it is the author of this, Kevin J. Anderson, was mostly the architect of these characters. And his whole thing is defeat the dark side from within. And he plays with it here where XR Kuhn thinks, no, 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 no. I'll learn your dark side magic, but I'm too clever to be possessed by it. I'm never going to become one of you. (laughs) That's how it always starts, right? Right. Okay. So after that, uh, Kuhn travels to Yavin. Sound familiar? Yep. Okay. So... Here on Yavin, he is essentially captured, his his ship damaged by the Masasi local Mm -hmm. tribe, who he essentially basically convinces to worship him. Yeah. I mean, right, he basically... He proves through his power. Yeah. uh, he, he, He... it's like the Endor scene where they say 3PO is a god if 3PO went evil right after that. <laughs> okay. Like they're pretending to be a god to not get killed, but then it'd be like 3PO like, oh, I like being worshipped as a god. Yes, continue to worship me. <laughs> and they do, right? They build, they do. They build temples, they build temples and statues to him. And yeah, I mean, basically he becomes a god there. He rules. And so after learning everything he believes he can about the dark side. He sets out to destroy other apprentices yes. of freedom. Nad. So Nad had not only appeared to him, but appeared to other people yep. trying to keep the Sith alive and going. Right. Right. Okay. So while fighting with another fallen Jedi, Ulit Queldroma, Ulit Queldroma, I'm getting all right at these pronunciations. No, okay. I just feel bad because I just know them like the back of my hand. No, you're doing okay. that's great. It's helping. So a long dead dark lord, uh, Marco Ragnos. That's right. All right, appeared. Uh, Ragnos anointed Kuhn, the true heir of the Sith, and Queldroma, his apprentice. So at this point, we have our master. And our apprentices before the rule of two and all that. But we have basically our heir to the Sith, the person who's going to bring the Sith forward. Right. And right? They, they get marks on their foreheads and everything. So after building an army of Jedi, you know, he yep. basically uh, 
convinces Jedi to join him. He has Sith Apprentice. He has Mandalorians. Yeah. Uh, basically, Keldroma leads an attack on the Senate. Yep. Right? Okay. So, basically, they get to the Senate, and Kuhn says, okay, well, you know, he's been captured. His attack failed. I told him not to go, but I'm going to go rescue him. Mm-hmm. And when they arrive at the Senate, you know, while he's on trial, Queldroma's on trial, Kuhn arrives there and basically, uh, you know, causes a lot of death and destruction. Yes. And just basically flexes and That's a kind gets way his way it. in there. Yeah, yeah. right? So... <laughs> Uh, you know, we're going to talk about all this in more detail in a minute, but basically he is able to escape from Coruscant uh, and we end up back on Yavin, right? Yes. He kind of flees back to his main base. Yeah. So eventually Keldroma, once again, a fallen Jedi, is convinced by the Jedi Order to betray Kuhn mm-hmm. and he they are led, the Jedi are led to Yavin where Kuhn is living. where his people are worshiping him and essentially he is able to preserve himself to preserve his spirit his essence before he's destroyed in a crypt in a temple he dies he sacrifices basically the entire masasi race yeah and the energy that they have to basically give him all of this power so that he can endure so he can survive this so he can come back you know years later and and save you know what his plan is the problem he does not realize is it is through baking his spirit into these walls he he basically is becoming a part of his house he becomes immortal but only through haunting his house (laughs) (laughs) okay so that is basically where your knowledge sort of ended right Matt? correct and then where my knowledge (laughs) comes in a little bit is with the first trilogy of Star Wars books that I ever read. Okay. Well, oh, the wow. first okay. the first set of adult novels. I think I had some, you know, young reader books and things mm-hmm. um, you know, that, that weren't so great. But yeah, the Jedi Academy trilogy by Kevin J. Anderson, Anderson uh is a trilogy of novels that takes place after, you know, Return of the Jedi and it focuses on Uh, Luke's new students, his pupils, you know, his academy, which is on Yavin. Yeah, because in Legends, they go back to the rebel base on Yavin 4. Yeah. uh, Which, of course, Kevin J. Anderson, his answer is the Masasis and and Exorcoon as to why were there temples there? (laughs) Yeah, he figured it all out, right? So Luke brings his Padawans to Yavin to train where Kuhn is essentially able to possess some of them. Right. So luring luring Luke's strongest Padawan, Kip Durin, who at the time, especially I thought was just one of the coolest characters in Star Wars. He essentially begins to influence him and convinces Durin that he needs to act on his own, that the Jedi aren't doing enough to, you know, bring balance and to do Save what they the need. Yeah, exactly. So he convinces uh, Kip Durin to steal a super weapon known as the Sun Crusher, yes. which is interesting because the Sun Crusher is kind of a little ship. You know, it's not yep. the Death Star. It's just a tiny little thing. And the idea is it's able to destroy, well, 
I think you might be able to guess, right? The, the, a son. Yeah, a son. The, uh, the system, basically. It's kind of like a weird, a weird variant of what we see from Starkiller Base and that oh, yeah. it, you know, it's really able to destroy an entire system because without the sun, right, you can't have life. Right. Right. So, um, uh, a lot of things happen over these three novels, uh, some other interesting things, but basically Luke's students are able to repel all of Exar Kun's influences and destroy his spirit for good, re- returning Kip Durin to the light side of the force. Yep. Uh, and Luke also has sort of a unconscious force spirit battle with him too. So, lot, you know, lots of things happen uh, in those novels that are kind of... Yeah, but Exar Kun's sort of a stand-in for yeah. like the Emperor's influence of this whispering voice of doubt and the quick and easy path and yeah, the path yeah. of selfishness. Well, you have the Sith at this point in Legends. The Sith are eliminated. Yes. Right? So you need someone to be the foil for our good guys. Correct. And a Sith Lord who's just a spirit at this point, who's ancient and uh, powerful, you know, that... that is an interesting thing to think about. And yeah. it's he's possessing your friends, people you're close to, you know, your allies, your comrades. So to have these people sort of turn mm-hmm. without really a reason or an understanding is, you know, very interesting. And at this point, Luke is not this wise Jedi master. I mean, think about it. He's kind of thrown into this on his own. You know, he becomes a Jedi Knight, passes his trial of redeeming his father, and all of a sudden he's the last Jedi around. So he's not necessarily prepared for this. You know, he's not necessarily ready to fight the spirit of a long dead Sith Lord. Right. Right. So unlike Canon where he was left a book, he doesn't have that in Legends. So Exar Kun, I find really interesting just because we see him at a very interesting time in the character's story in Legends. For me, I read about him earlier. He was a character I found interesting because, wow, here's something new I've never heard of. And, you know, what he did was relatively interesting, but more just the lure, the mythicism, the mystery around him is what I found so interesting. And then to learn that there's all this other stuff that happened. There's all this story about him yeah. before, you know, set in the time of our our current heroes, Luke Skywalker and whatnot. You know, they've really established a great story for him. And yeah. out of everything that's in Legends, I think he's one of the more interesting characters because yes. he's really fleshed out in the Tales of the Jedi stuff. Yep. You learn a lot about him. Yep. Right. But you also get his sort of final conclusion being brought to an end by Luke, yes, and his you know and his his uh, his apprentices, and that feels really fulfilling. Yeah, to have every time Luke you know checks off another another dark side, or every time he <laughs> he basically is able to bring another you know another nail in the coffin of the Sith. Right. It's interesting. And this one, especially because he's helped by his Padawans, you know, Kip Durin, Corrin Horn, some of the characters in this book are some of the most prolific members of the eventual Jedi Council later on and, you know, become Jedi Knights and Masters that, uh, you know, are really important players. Yeah. I mean, these are all characters. One of the most interesting things about Legend is all of these characters get carried forward. Yes. You know, there aren't a lot of. Well, I don't want to say there aren't a lot of drop threads, but if there's a character you find yourself attached to in one book, chances are good if they don't die, they'll be back. Well, they sketched out 40 years worth of history from 
uh, Endor in sometimes excruciating detail. Yeah. Um, but they did it in a very comic booky way of everything's playing with everything else. If you don't hear about yeah. a character, they're somewhere in the wings of the universe. Right. Well, it's a big galaxy. A lot can happen. A lot can be going yeah. on, right? So Exar Kun does a lot of very interesting things in the Tales of the Jedi comic, and there's a couple I want to expand on. Um, Mac, one of the biggest ones I want to talk about, and I'd really like to hear your opinion on, is his attack on the Senate. Mm. You know, because that's something that... So just imagine, right, if if you're thinking about what this would be. Imagine episode one. Yeah. Right? Padme's there. She's pleading her case. And all of a sudden, Darth Maul comes in and just starts killing. He kills Valorum yeah. and, uh, you know, just starts. Uh, he just throws that double bladed lightsaber around the room. There's a bunch of decapitations. It comes back to his hand. And he's like, we're done talking. Yeah. So, like, could you imagine that? And, and thinking of I that. I can because I read this comic yeah, book at so, a very so impressionable me, age. So, tell me about that, Mac. Tell me about what you remember about that. Uh, okay. So, um,. This I all know from the comic books because the audiobooks never actually got this far into the comic book retellings. Um, essentially, Ula Keldroma, who's sort of the main character of um, the Tales of the Jedi, he is a young man who's brash and he's basically Kevin J. Anderson writing the tale of why Yoda says an empire, empire, you know, adventure, a Jedi craves not these things. Because mm-hmm. he's our Luke character. He's like, the oh, cool, we're going on a mission for the Jedi. We're going to go to Onderon, and we're going to bring peace, and they're going to join the Republic, and it's going to be great. What? They're an entire planet of Darksiders? What? <laughs> Their civilization was built on the bones of this old dead, dead Sith Lord? Oh, this is hard. And his master arc is there going like, yes, Ulik, it is hard. The world's a complex, hard place. It's not a place for your adventure stories. Okay. Of course, ironic because it's Star Wars, so it's full of adventure stories. Yeah. And Ulik, through a series of events, there is a conclave of Jedi and that gets somewhat betrayed and his master dies. And he has basically a complete crisis of faith. He just doesn't understand why his master's died. And Exar Kun, who went through this but chose to be a dark sider basically it says hey listen i'm you know you've been hearing the whispers of the dark side i'm part of the dark side this magnus rangos guy is here like talk to him you know we're we're gonna be the guys you and me man give up your weak old self you know your mm-hmm. master died mm-hmm. because the people he was around were too weak to realize the power they had and use it to make the galaxy a better place and Luke's like well yeah i guess so <laughs> and so when luke runs or not luke Ulik runs the entire quest against the um, Imperial or uh, Republic Center. He basically lose heart at the end. He's like, oh, yeah, I don't really want to massacre people. And he sort of that's how he gets defeated. Yeah. Um, And I think. I can't remember the order of events. It's either during the first invasion or it's after Exar Kun comes is when Nomi Sunrider, one of the important characters, cuts Ulik completely off from the force. He's just cut. Dark side, light side, you don't get any of it. Mm-hmm. Which destroys him. It would be like us going blind suddenly. Yeah. Um and Exar Kun, as part of that, is just kind of like, what the hell? <laughs> you're supposed <laughs> to be my apprentice, and you're this wuss. Yeah. I don't understand. I came to save you, and I still couldn't get that done right because you're such a wuss. Yeah. And he's like, we've spent so many resources. I need to go back to base and rebuild so I can do this right. And that's how he ends up from 
slaughtering senators and crushing the Republic to grabbing the remaining forces and hightailing it back to Yavin four. Yeah. And it is a wonderful scene because it really is just a terrorist walking into the state of the union address mm-hmm. and just gunning the place up. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. With his uh, double bladed lightsaber, the first in star Wars. Uh, I'm glad you mentioned that because he is not the inventor of the double-bladed lightsaber, but he is, in, at least in Legends, credited with popularizing it, he's making the, it usable. He, I would say he's the originator, not the inventor, but he's the one who's like, hey, this is a thing. Darth Maul will steal my style later on. <laughs> yeah. It, I mean, how could you not like a guy who uses a double-bladed lightsaber, right? And one of the cool things about it is that's very strange about Knights of the Republic is all the lightsabers are drawn very lightly because we're working off the VHS tapes. Oh, okay. So the colors aren't very bright. But technically, Exocoon's lightsaber the entire time is blue. Even as he's a Sith, Sith Lord. Even Ulic never goes yeah. to a red blade. They kind of leave the red blades under what was old legends, which was they were synthetic crystals. Yeah. And that's why Vader has one. Because remember, the Emperor doesn't have a lightsaber. So as far as we know, Vader's the only red blade ever. Yeah. Weird to think that now, right? I know, right? Or the thing thinking that Darth was his first name, <laughs> not knowing that Darth was going to be a title. Mr. D. Vader. Because that's another funny yeah. thing. Exar Kun and Ulic don't have Darth names because we didn't know Darth was a title. Yeah, yeah. Um, but Exar Kun is... Exar Kun's amazing to me because he's he represents the other side of the journey. Ulic and Exar are the two sides of the coin. Ulic is the reluctant. Yeah. He's fallen to the dark side. He's yeah. what we believe the tragedy of Anakin probably was. Whereas Exar is a person who thinks he's better than everyone. He's got all these dark side traits, but he doesn't want to become a dark sider. Yeah. Until he already has become one. Like he doesn't fall in the sense of like, oh, I just I guess I have no choice but to join the dark side. He's constantly being forced out of that dark road when he just started out as curious. Yeah. You don't realize you become a jerk until you take that one step too far. Yeah. Right. You say that one bad thing. And that's basically he starts off wanting knowledge. Yep. He starts off uh, wanting to grow. And his you know, whole for quest his own benefit. And here we are. He's just going around and learning from other masters. He learns of Freedom Nat and he ends up hating Freedom Nat and thinking he's wrong. Mm-hmm. He goes to Korriban. He learns from Nagasato. And he's basically like, you're wrong, too. I don't like what you're saying. Marco Ragnos, I don't like what you're saying. Like, I'm going to do it right. And then the, of course, irony of all of that is these force ghosts, whether they be ghosts inhabiting crypts on Korriban or whether they be holocron nightmares. He ends up becoming the ultimate one of those, one that lasts for almost four freaking thousand years to corrupt a bunch of kids who are at school (laughs) because that's the only people he's had a chance to influence Mm -hmm. in four thousand years. He's dedicated to the cause. And as far as I I know, the way it was written was Kevin J. Anderson created that character for those characters at the temple. Mm hmm. And once he started writing the Knights of the Old Republic, the the Tales of the Jedi series, he was kind of like, oh, I have a great chance to talk about who Exar Kun was. I can write his backstory now. And how does he end up on that temple? So the novels definitely came before the comics. I'm I'm absolutely positive they were developed for. I don't know how close the actual timing of publication was. So I, I do it's know a couple years that the novels were published in 94. That sounds right, because I think we're talking about 95, 90, uh, 
Tales of the Jedi, I think, started in 94, 95. And you don't get until the third or fourth arc do you really get into Exar Kun. Because you have Tales of the Jedi, Tales of the Jedi, the Freedom Nad Uprising, Tales of the Jedi. Eventually you get to Dark Lords of the Sith, which is the one where Kun shows up. So Dark Lords of the Sith by Kevin J. Anderson, 94 to 95. Oh, so they're in kind of concurrent. Yeah. So just to point this out, if you want to learn about Exar Kun, mm -hmm. so that's where you would do it. The Dark Lords of the Sith, Tales of the Jedi Run by Kevin J. Anderson, right? What about uh, the rest of it? Are the, is he in more, Mac, as someone so who's read those? So the best way, if you want to learn about Knights of the Old Republic before Bioware made their video games and sort of reshuffled the deck. I, I just want to state that like Knights of the Old Republic, the video game series, feels a lot closer to Star Wars as you know it. Mm -hmm. When you read Tales of the Jedi, Tales of the Jedi feels like antiquity. It feels 4,000 years before Yavin. Yes, they have laser swords and blaster pistols and all that stuff, but there's some very significant ways in which all this is different, like how the Jedi have schools they have mm -hmm. four or five apprentices a piece and yeah. stuff like that and their lightsabers are more primitive and they wear armor and stuff yeah. like this we don't really think of with jedi and they're very very cool and if you want to read those the entire run of all of that stuff is available if you're a marvel unlimited subscriber because uh, okay. all the old dark horse comics marvel retains the rights and you can read pretty much all of them inside the Marvel app, or you can also purchase the trade paperbacks and stuff too. Yeah. If you're more physical reader. Very, very cool. Okay. And then the, just to also point it out the Jedi Academy trilogy, if you're interested in those books, mm -hmm. uh, there are three Jedi search, dark apprentice and champions of the force, mm -hmm. uh, never published in a hardback individually. I believe they all were bound together as one hardback like book. Okay. Uh, yeah, but they're just paperbacks. So they're easy to find. Every used bookstore I've ever been in has a copy of the trilogy, uh, just because they were ones that I think were really out there. I know that's how I first found them. My library in my grade school had them, and I, you know, I rented the first one and then eventually got them. But they're all fun. You know, Kip Duren is a very interesting character. Um, I think you know, in a certain extent, Anakin before we got Anakin. Gotcha. Uh, you know, as a fallen Jedi and whatnot, someone who believed he was what he was doing was right and. For me, at least, in my Star Wars experience, the first dark Jedi, you know, mm. wasn't necessarily trying to destroy the good guys, you know, wasn't necessarily trying to kill Luke Skywalker. He was still trying to destroy the whole point of him stealing that weapon was to destroy the remnants of the Empire. Right. You right. know, it, it, so a Dude, very interesting character. An anti -hero yeah, Jedi. yeah. Something that we don't still really haven't seen again right you know um in canon at least so a very interesting character that i know we'll talk about more one day but xr coon you know and one last tip of yeah, the nods for yeah. additional reading as I also mentioned i'm pretty sure all those books are available as audio but i can tell you that tales of the jedi and tales of the jedi dark lords of the sith which is like the first four arcs of the comic book series mm -hmm. are available as a full audio drama on services like audible okay or they might be available through overdrive if your library might have that audiobook so definitely worth checking out. If you're looking for a place to get into Legends, you like the Sith, you want sort of a full story, mm -hmm. uh, both really great options. Both really totally. great options. If if you want it to involve characters you know, maybe check out the Jedi Academy trilogy of novels. If you want it to be all things that you aren't familiar with, 
Tales of the Jedi is a great place to go. And uh, I'm going to definitely be checking them out. I'll probably get the, uh, you know, the the published omnibus myself. Honestly, I think I might find, I might read those novels just because, like, I've never read the other side of Exarchoon's story. And yeah. Ula Keldroma and Exarchoon and Nomi Sunrider were my Han, Luke, and Leia for entirely <laughs> too much of my Star Wars experience. Okay. So, I, you know, if you want to borrow them, mm. you know where to find oh. them. I'll go up to the the prestigious library. Yeah, it's a coming together. Three new bookshelves coming soon. So do you have a system? Be, do uh... I need to get a card with your system? <laughs> yeah, we'll figure we'll figure that out as we go. All right. Well, thank you for listening to this. Um, we're going to move on from Exarchoon now on to something else. Wow, Mac, another great show in the bag. I feel good about it. I feel conflicted about it we gave the dark side a lot of time tonight well if there's one good thing i'm sure we'll never talk about the dark side again no this is probably knocked it out this is our one and only sithtacular yeah there's not enough darksiders to talk about So, how often are we gonna do sithtaculars i don't know but i do know that we need to do like a light side festival to cleanse this a little bit (laughs) okay we'll work on the name we talked about some we talked about three really bad dudes we did and you know what i like about them they're each a little different yeah but they all share common threads they all feel like what they were doing had a purpose yeah you know and every good villain needs that and i like they're all monsters in their own ways but they all have that great sense of like you said they're mm-hmm. they're righteous in their own minds they have a moral reason to be trying to do what they're doing yeah yeah they're all uh, they all have honor you know yeah, they, they yeah. all they all have a have a moral code whether that's good or not they all have well purpose yeah and it's it's great and like i said i also enjoy that we sort of tiptoed through canon gray areas where legend and canon are mixed and (laughs) straight up legends it's probably never coming back material you know and that's that's part of the fun of this show is we can just really go all over the place and you know this is one of those episodes where i really feel like if you listen to all three topics this is what we really want this show to be. A little yeah. bit of canon, a little bit of legends, a character from here, a theme from there. It's just, even though they're all Sith, even though they're all Darksiders that we talked about today, they all have very different stories and from very different eras. And I know how much research we both did for this and how we divvied it up. So I think the other thing that's fun about this is I'm hoping pretty much any Star Wars fan who listened to this was able to get something new. Because these are three from very different eras of Star Wars. Mm -hmm. And I mean that in the marketing cycle, you know, we have characters from the prequel era. We have a character from the right before we started the sequel era in Bane. We have Exar Kun, who's a mid 90s when Star Wars was like, I guess Star Wars is popular again. Let's write some stuff. Shrug. (laughs) Like um, they're very different creatures. Mm -hmm. So you got to be a pretty esoteric fan to have been deeply involved with all three of these characters up to now yeah and so hopefully you'll go check them out yeah i mean if any of these sound of any interest to you absolutely go check them out uh if we're nothing else we're here to enable you to spend even more on your favorite franchise (laughs) we know this is definitely helping us uh have any of your action fleet come in from last week mac maybe (laughs) i haven't opened any boxes yet but i I do have a few things I, i think yeah, I, I, I may have bought a Virago. Uh, I can't wait to play with it. 
and you sent me that lot on eBay and it's very inexpensive at the time of this recording. So there's a part, I mean, there's like two interceptors. We don't, I don't need two interceptors. <gasps> you know, if you took half of it, it's only 15. Okay. We'll talk after the show. All right. All right. Um, all right. We'll but the point out. is, yes, this is all about enabling and, uh, you know, to that, uh, <laughs> just a quick programming note for those who are listening to these in real time. Um, we have another show coming up, but we also have another bonus show coming up in the following weeks because we're going to be playing around with the idea of a special. Yeah. So just to give you a little preview, uh, if this episode comes out on October 2nd, uh, that's when this As is going to launch. Planned. Yep. As uh, he knocks on wood somewhere. Uh huh. Two days from now. <laughs> Two days from now. Yeah. It's going to be Triple Force Friday. It will be. And Mac and I are a little uh, nervous. <laughs> because we've always had Toys R Us's to go to before. And we just you... found out that Targets are apparently not opening at midnight. So there's like one Disney store in a couple hundred miles of where we are. So we're going to we figure it out. Be there. We also might just be at Target at 8 a.m. Uh, that uh, could be too. So here's my the point. The point is, as planned right now, our cameras, our microphones will be there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so we will have uh, hopefully some live coverage. Well, recorded live, released to you later that uh, that afternoon, probably Friday the fourth. Yeah, we'll but, try to do turn it around pretty quick. So it's part of the celebration of that. Yeah, weekend. absolutely. So we'll just talk about you know what we're experiencing la- in line. Uh, maybe we'll get a chance to talk to some other Star Wars friends while we're there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know, if you're going to be out for Force Friday. Uh, let us know, you know, where you're headed, what your plans are. Reach out to us on Twitter uh, and let us know what you're after. I know I'm after that uh, exclusive Mandalorian figure from Target in the Black Series and that nice copper box. While we haven't decided on what our community segments or what we're going to do for the show for that, one thing I'd encourage you is we record and publish through Anchor, anchor.fm, which is a great service. If you find us at anchor.fm slash SWAI, Right. That's what we have it. Yeah. Sway. Star Wars all in. Uh, If you go to that website, um, one thing you can do is leave us a voicemail. So if you have some Force Friday memories and stuff, feel free to share with us. I can't guarantee we'll do anything with it, but we we are starting to explore that. So we'd love to hear from you. Yeah. We'd love to hear about your Force Friday experiences. This will be our fourth Force Friday. Well, we had Force Friday 2015. Right. We had Rogue Friday 2016. Right. Then we had Force Friday 2017 for The Last Jedi. Oh, yeah. Right. We did not have a Force Friday for Solo. There was really no launch. No. Right. So this will be our, depending on how you want to look at it, third official Force Friday. Also fourth because we had 99. We had the original. Well, I'm talking that we've spent together. (laughs) We were both. Oh, we were both probably at the same Toys R Us. Yeah, I would be surprised. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I couldn't have been friends with someone that old that much older than me back then oh that's okay i i'm i'm actually i'm pretty sure i wasn't actually at force friday i think it was that same weekend but the point of the matter yeah. is yeah so we're going to be spending some time together in a line somewhere my plan right now is to get in line at midnight in target and wait for eight hours for him to open but i think max probably not going to be on board for that one so well, i mean we played mario kart on a switch all the way leading up to the last launch so we'll just record podcast episodes oh, uh, 
Yeah, so if the call if the quality goes down a little bit, it's because we won't be in a controlled environment. We'll be outside of a mall. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, well, we're gonna have fun with Force Friday, it so will. keep an eye out for that on October fourth. And we have a couple other special episodes planned for the rest of the year. So those will just be in addition. You know, there there's not gonna be any sort of cost or anything those are just going to be yeah. additional episodes that we're going to be releasing on our main feed so yeah and our plan know. is just to usually release those in addition uh, we will probably have some in december that will replace our regular episodes but the plan is to still have a, yeah. at least one if not more yeah in your podcast feed every week going forward yes absolutely that's basically the point is there will never be a lack of star wars all in week to week there will be a minimum of one episode every week uh, and unless it's a special, it will always come out on Wednesday. That's the plan. Or if we can't figure out how to control the game on our microphones, but we got that one figured out tonight. We, so we we're did. Good. We did. So the, <laughs> shh, that's behind the scenes. I can share that. No one's listening to this part anyway. All right. All right. Well, friends, well, until, let's wrap it up. It's late. We're yeah. loopy. Until we meet again, friends, it's been a great night. Uh, we appreciate you having you there. Please reach out to our communities. We yeah. are very overwhelmed by the success we've mm-hmm. already had and are looking forward to growing the show and our community with you tell your star wars friends about us hashtag star wars friends that's my new thing okay that's my new thing all right my friends well until then until me next time may the force be with you this production is not endorsed by any other property and is the sole responsibility of mac burgess the third ross grico and those involved in its production It is meant for entertainment purposes only. Other than content provided by this production's providers, all music, movie clips, and sound bites, rights are reserved, and their respective owners have not endorsed any aspect of this show. Copyright 2019.